I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I've been trying to express something to the congregation and to the people out there on the TV and in, on the Internet for a long time. I've been studying prophecy in great detail since 1964. That's 57 years, something like that. And I've been teaching that long on prophecy. Prophecy is about Christmas. Prophecy engulfs all of these subjects. Prophecy. Christmas. The 70 weeks of Daniel. These are all directly related. 70 weeks. Tongues of Acts 2 Acts 2 and 1 Corinthians 14 these are the two big chapters that the Pentecostals use and it doesn't mean what they're saying and it has to do with the sword the famine the pestilence all of these are related subjects. Pestilence. I'll get in a minute. Pestilence. The sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. And these, the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast is is the four horsemen of the apocalypse I'll get in a minute apocalypse and that's in Revelation the sixth chapter the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast has been writing since Genesis, the second chapter. They had the sword, the famine, the pestilence, the beast in the garden. You had four horsemen. The first one was on a white horse. White horse. And you have to know that all of the rulers of the empires when they went into battle they rode up on a high hill and looked out over their armies fighting and they always were on a white horse now you're going to understand something when you look at the four horsemen one two three four what you're going to see is the sword the famine the pestilence and the beast and the white horse that also depicts christ not in this chapter, depicts Christ in Revelation 19 when he comes back on a great white horse with eyes as a flame of fire, Revelation 19. But this white horse here has to be Babylon, the mother of all idolatry, which is going to be a worldwide system. You have two Babylons, according to Revelation 18 chapter, where Babylon is fallen 
is fallen. It fell once, is fallen. It fell once in the Old Testament, in, I'll just put it up here, in Jeremiah. Jeremiah uh, 50 and 51. And it fell same same system, same time period in Isaiah. Isaiah prophesies the fall of Babylon. Isaiah, the 13th and 14th chapter. And Isaiah, the 44th and 45th chapter. It tells you the same things as all of these in Jeremiah 50, 51. Isaiah 13, 14, and 44, and 45. It's all about Cyrus coming in and destroying Babylon. He's the king of Persia. And he destroys Babylon in these chapters. And you can put along with that, you can put Second Chronicles 36. And you can also put Second Kings, Second Kings, uh, the twenty-fifth chapter. And you can put one other chapter with that, Daniel, the fifth chapter. That's where Cyrus blocked up the Euphrates River, ran it out into the desert, marched down the riverbed of the Euphrates. The big two-leaf gates were open, according to the forty fifth chapter of Isaiah and he marched in there and told Belshazzar you're under arrest and we're going to kill you and we're going to execute you right now and he had one of his men fall upon Belshazzar and kill him well the first horse is a white horse this is in Revelation 6 and then the second horse is a red horse and he's got a He's got in his hand a sword. And then the third horse, let me move this. The third horse is a black horse. And you find these same horses over in Zechariah. Is a black horse. And he's got scales in his hand. And that scales are for measuring barley and wheat. Barley was the rich man's food, was the poor man's food. Poor man's. And the man riding the horse says, and the wheat is the rich man's food, is the rich man's. And this is talking about when God brings judgment, the black horse is the famine, and he says a measure of wheat for a, penny, a measure of wheat for a penny, and two measures of barley for a penny. Penny was the word denarius. Denarius was the day's wages for a Roman soldier and for a slave in the field. Roman soldier and for a slave. So it would take a full day's wages and one measure would feed one man for a day. So poor man can feed two people two measures of barley for a penny or for a denarius. 
And then the last horseman is a pale horse. A pale horse, and the pale horse, death and pestilence rides with him. Death and pestilence, disease. So these are the four horsemen, and they are the sword, the famine, the pestilence. We've been talking some about the coronavirus. I'm not here to tell you that it is what one side or the other says. I don't really care what it is. I'm here to tell you about prophecy of the end of time. That's all. I'm not going to begin to say it's as serious or not as serious as somebody says. I'm not going to say that. It is a pestilence. If it is not as serious as what has been advertised, God can make it serious. He can multiply it and overwhelm the world with it, if that's what he wants to do. For sure, the pestilence will come, and if this is not a big enough one, God will make one big. Whenever pestilence comes, that's God's judgment, because his people have not kept his statutes, his laws, or his commandments. Statutes. Or his laws. We've talked about that. His commandments. There are certain blessings that go with keeping his commandments. All a believer has to do is to abide by the laws of God according to Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28, and Exodus, the 15th chapter. There are others... Every time you see a prophet prophesying, when Israel went after other gods for 510 years, they went after other gods. From in the book of the Kings, the book of the Kings is one book to the Jewish mind. It's the book of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Samuel. First and Second Kings. This is Israel as a nation upon the earth. First and Second Chronicles. When I wrote this on the board, why is there an end of time? God is bringing judgment upon Israel for not being obedient to his word as he told them when they were coming out of the wilderness, then they come into the land of Israel under judges. Samuel is their first judge. And they go all the way through these famous judges, Othniel and and uh, Ehud and Shamgar. Probably never heard of him. He's at the very end of the third chapter of Judges. And men like Gideon like Jephthah, the son of a harlot, and the list goes on and on. Well, they Israel kept turning back to Baal in the grove, or Balaam, B-A-A-L-I-Y-M. I am is always plural. They had many gods in Israel, Baal, the grove, and the grove is the tree goddess. This thing was serious with God when he said, if you're disobedient to my laws and the 
preachers of Israel did not preach truth. They did. How can you obey God when the average person depends upon the preacher to tell them truth that they can be obedient to and the preachers are not telling it? That's going on in America today. So these judgments are going to come. The sword, that is war from our neighbors. We've got so many wars in the world. One writer says about 50 wars. Another one said 69 wars. I don't know how many, but they're all over the world with thousands of people involved. And you've got... So when what we're doing, God is bringing judgment on Israel and upon the church, which is spiritual Israel, churches heavenly jerusalem the church because all these preachers in america are not telling the truth how can you obey god when they won't tell the truth the average person that attends a church knows little to nothing about the bible i mean actually little to nothing you can talk to them i talk to people every day i witness to people constantly in the streets at the grocery store i got out of my car to fill up with gas a couple of days ago and the guy was standing out there in the middle of the parking lot he went he pointed to me said you on tv i said i'm still on tv and I walked over to him and talked to him about predestination, Christmas is pagan, talked to him about the charismatics not telling the truth, and he was just enamored, said, this is really great. And he was about 40 years old, he was a builder. And he said, I'm going to come see you. I said, well, good, I hope you do. I never stop witnessing to people. I don't beat anybody up. I just tell them what the Bible says. And that's all you have to do. If they're elect, they'll hear. Now, we've been talking about, I'm saying, why is there an end of time? The reason for the end of time, let me if I can say this and make it simple. The reason for the end of time is so God can purify his people through these four judgments. God scatters Israel because he uses the beast after he sends the sword, the famine, the pestilence for 500 years or 510 years. And then he says, I'm going to scatter you. Now, one of the main reasons that he scattered them was because they did not keep their sabbatical years. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Every seven years they had a sabbatical year. What that meant, and you can find this in Leviticus, the 25th chapter. He'll tell you exactly. He says... Every seven years, you must must let the land lie fallow. It has to rest. Why? You cannot harvest anything in the seventh year. You can't plant anything the seventh year. All you can do is eat the food that you put up in your storehouses for those six years 
But God says, I will make your storehouses, if you obey me, I'll make them just burst out at the seams. You'll have more than you can eat. And they say to God, if you think we're not going to harvest or plant in the seventh year, Moses, you are out of your mind. So they didn't. And they went for 70 sets of these seven years, 70 times seven. That 70 of these, 70 times seven is is 490 years. And what they did, they went to other gods. They went to Baal and the Grove and Shemash and Molech. And I've named a bunch of those gods. All the gods of the nations around Israel. They went after their gods. And if this is Israel, it's just a little skinny land. And they went after the gods of the Syrians. Certainly after the gods of Tyre and Sidon. When Je- and when Ahab married Jezebel, he brought her gods down into northern Israel. And that became the god of northern Israel. That was Baal in the grove. You can find that in First Kings the 16th chapter where that took place. Before that happened, Solomon was the king of all of Israel and he allowed his wives, 700 of them, and 300 concubines to go after their Molech, Shemash, all the Ashtoreth, the female deities. So Israel, early on in their history, you'll find that in First Kings, the 11th chapter now Solomon was a good man Ahab when he married Jezebel was a believer but he was an evil man he really showed just how evil a believer could be and he brought that in and then eventually it moved down into southern Judah when Ahab and Jezebel's daughter Athaliah married down into southern Judah because Ahab was running around with with Jehoshaphat, the king of southern Judah. Jehoshaphat was a good guy. He, he served God. He served God. He was a wonderful man, except he run around with the wrong man and influenced him. And his son Jehoram, Jehoram began to see this woman Athaliah at their gatherings he married her brought her into southern Judah and then southern Judah did the same thing northern Israel did and that system that they brought into their worship that system was the same system it was sun and tree worship I've said this and I don't know if people have gotten a hold of this the Bible says all idolatry including what Israel was involved in and they were involved in sun and tree worship when Israel got involved in it they started practicing the customs of the heathen they got involved in the customs of heathen people when they began to say we want another Another God that doesn't require those sabbatical years. We don't like that at all. So when they began to get involved with other gods, they took on their customs 
And one of the worst things they did, they began to offer their children. This was the custom of the heathen. Offer their children as sacrifices in in fire to these gods, to pagan gods. They were killing their children. And I keep saying this. When the preachers are not telling truth in America, the Bible says anytime you flatter a man with smooth talk over there in the book of Job, even the eyes of his children shall fail. The children cannot see the truth because they're hearing lies and they're watching their parents partake in the lies of the preacher and the parents become corrupt and they lie and they steal and they're corrupt and they're deceptive and the children at home, let me tell you something. You can act real holy out in public. Be a hypocrite, which was an actor on an assumed character in the first century. You can be a good actor, but there's two people in your house that know if you're acting or not. You know who that is? Your wife and your children. They know who you are, without a doubt. So they know what you are. So if the parent is hearing a lying preacher talking about accept Christ which is not true when you're dead in sin hearing them talking about a sinner's prayer for salvation which is not true when you're dead in sin hearing them talk about tongues in a Pentecostal church which is not true which is not true hearing them talking about faith healing which is not true And we've gone through all of this. Thy faith has made thee whole. Every time that's spoken, the word whole is sozo. It's the word saved. Faith saves. It doesn't heal. Everybody dies of old age. They die of a disease. Why is it these big faith healers, Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagin and... Paul Crouch, who started TBN, and Jan Purple Hair Crouch, his his goofy wife, how come they all died of either heart disease or pneumonia? Why didn't they call Benny Hinn in to heal them? It's crazy. You don't live to be old. Kenneth Copeland says he's going to live to be 120. What are you going to die from, Kenny? If you die, you're going to die of a disease unless you get killed in a car wreck or something like that. So, this whole thing, the reason for the end of time is God's going to stretch out this 70 weeks of Daniel. He's got 70 weeks in Daniel 9, 24 through 27. He's going to use these 70 weeks to cause Israel to come back. And in the New Testament, Israel is the church. Heavenly Jerusalem, the church of the firstborn. It's the church. So in order for God to bring Israel back to obedience, He's going to measure out these 70 weeks. Now I do series on 70 weeks. I'm not going to do that today. I did one series, 18 months on Sunday morning 
on the 70 weeks of Daniel and I didn't even finish it these subjects never end in the Bible they never end and we know when the 70 weeks started there are four decrees given when Israel is carried away by the not degrees decrees there's four decrees when Israel is carried away they're carried away in 586 BC that's southern Judah carried away by the Babylonian king in 586 that's Nebuchadnezzar we'll just call him Neb Neb and northern Israel was carried away all because they got involved in that sun and tree worship that Ahab married it down into into Israel he was one of the most wicked kings that ever was because he just ignored the commandments of God and brought it in I keep saying it's the same system that Constantine brought into the church in 325 AD and renamed it was actually the feast of Saturn or the Saturnalia the feast of Saturn who was the father of the gods and they thought the sun was burning out on December the 21st the longest nights of the year so they said we got to give a birthday to the sun and they gave the birthday to Mithra of Rome they gave Mithra the birthday of December the 25th when Constantine brought this into the church December the 25th had long been the birthday of Mithra the chief son god of Babylon so what they did they tried to amalgamate Christianity with paganism and they did that with Christ Mass Ishtar Easter Halloween All Hallows Eve had had these other names in in paganism and with Halloween and with St. Valentine's Day and with Mardi Gras they were all the same in different cultures in the ancient world well when Babylon is the mother of harlots Revelation 17 and 5 if Babylon under Constantine they, he brought in I have said this so many times this is one of my favorite maps on this up here Constantine was the total monarch of the Roman Empire in 320. Well, in 312, he was a monarch. And he was afraid he was going to lose the empire to the Huns, the Vandals, the Goths, the Visigoths, the Burgundians, the Franks, the Celts, the Gauls. These were all hordes of, of barbarians rampaging across the European continent. And the Romans were only ruling around the Mediterranean Sea. You had Babylon, Iraq, Persia, Pakistan, uh, Iran, Afghanistan, and so forth. And then Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And this was the beast. It was the Babylonian lion, the Persian bear, the Grecian leopard and the beast with iron teeth was the Roman Empire or the Roman Catholic Church so 
He said, I'm going to bring their gods. If their gods were not Jehovah's gods, if it wasn't Jehovah, then wherever you find pagan gods, they're all the same thing. Whether it was Israel worshiping sun and tree gods, or whether whether it was the Huns and the Battles and the Goths and the Visigoths having their gods, it all comes out of Babylon. Because Babylon mothered it all. So what was Christmas in the church was exactly why God was scattering Israel and he's going to bring all these judgments on them and he's going to bring the 70 weeks. Now, the whole purpose, why is there an end of time? It was to end all of this scourge against Israel, the sword, the famine, the pestilence, the beast. The beast would be the last judgment. And he says, I'm going to cause Israel to come back into one nation. I have... I have scattered them. I've split them into two nations. There'll be one nation at the end of time. You can find that in Ezekiel 37. You can find it all over the Old Testament. These are some of my favorite chapters, 37 and Isaiah 11. You're going to find it all in there. Now, this is all about prophecy. It's about Christmas. It's about the 70 weeks. It's about tongues. I'll just get, I'll just throw that in for a good measure, tongues. The reason tongues were involved in it, Israel was scattered all over the world. And God, when they were in the wilderness, over here, right before Judges, when they were in the wilderness, leaving Egypt, when they're over here leaving Egypt, leaving Egypt before Judges they come out of Egypt right after Joshua the Judges they were in the the wilderness 40 years before that they were in Egypt for 400 years when they come out of Egypt now this is going to go with what they did here and it's going to go with the tongues (laughs) it sounds funny but it's true when they were leaving Egypt God says Moses I'm here on Mount Sinai he said you tell Israel you're on Mount Sinai we get to Mount Sinai in Exodus 18 he comes down from the mountain in Exodus 20 with the commandments written on tables of stone and he goes through all of his instruction Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy he said tell Israel if they go after any other gods when I get them into this land that I've given to Abraham back here before the bondage in Egypt I gave it to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph I gave the land to them and you tell Israel if they do not keep my commandments and walk after my statutes and judgments he says that in Leviticus 26 Deuteronomy 28 Exodus 15 if they don't do that you tell them I will send the sword the famine the pestilence over and over and over all the time they were a nation that kept coming upon them and they kept going after these other gods and you tell them 
Paul finally sent the beast to carry him away. And oh yes, here's one of my laws. For all the men of Israel, Exodus 23 and several other places, you tell them, 23 and other places in the scripture, you tell them they have to come back, all the males have to come back to Jerusalem for the for the Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering, which is coupled with the Day of Atonement. And they have to come back from wherever they are in the world to Jerusalem. Well, they're scattered. They end up all over the world. Great day in the morning. What's, what are they thinking of? So while they're all over the world, for 600 years at least, they're all over the world. And they have to come back even while they are in captivity. They have to come back. And I've got a map here that I got out of the Compendia. And it shows them coming back from all over the world, particularly to Pentecost and Acts 2. These are Jews from every nation under heaven. Acts 2, I believe it's verse 4, says so. They're coming back from all over the world. They all speak different dialects. I can't spell when I'm thinking or talking. They all speak different dialects and glossa. And they're Jews from every nation under heaven and that's very important to understand that here they're coming back from all over the world you can see this is a out of the compendium it shows all the Jews and all of these little arrows of the Jews somebody's coming from Carthage the arrow is pointing this way somebody's coming back from Rome and the arrow is pointing towards Jerusalem People are coming back from Corinth and the arrows are pointing towards Jerusalem. They're coming back from over here in what we would call Iraq and they're coming back and the arrows are pointing over here to Jerusalem. They're coming back from Antioch. Every arrow is pointing to Jerusalem. They're coming back from Ephesus and from Galatia up here. And the arrows are pointing towards Jerusalem. That's Jews from every nation under heaven. And they've been scattered. Southern Judah has been scattered at this point at least around 600, a little over 600 plus years. Northern Israel has been scattered over 722. Add another 30 to that because that's going to be around 30 or 33 A.D. So let's say 5 Five, 755 years northern Israel has been scattered but they all have to come back to these and the reason they're scattered is because they went after the thing all the time they were a nation and it was called Christmas under Constantine why people you know why they can't see this they're unwilling to study the Old Testament and what it's about and all the judgment against Israel they were scattered for 2,600 years. When you get to 586 and you bring it all the way to 2020, 
2020, you got 2,600, possibly a little bit more years that they've been scattered until May 14th, 1948. May 14th and 48, and particularly to the Six Day War of June 5th through June 10th, 1967 to 10th, 67, where they where they drove the Jordanians out and they had possession of Jerusalem for the first time. For the first time in 2,600 years. And the Bible says concerning this, that the Jews will fall by the edge of the sword, Luke twenty-one twenty-four. They'll be led away captive in all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until... The time of the Gentiles be fulfilled in Jerusalem. And that didn't happen until the Six-Day War, June 5th through June 10th, 67. This is all... I keep saying this. This is one picture. It goes all the way back. It actually goes all the way back to Adam. God only gave His truth to one flesh one flesh one to the flesh of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob whose name was changed to Israel and they're the only ones that got the truth in the Old Testament God would tell the people going into the Israel going in to conquer somebody kill them all kill all the men of Amalek kill all the babies, all the goats, all the lambs kill the king and Saul didn't. It's just amazing when God gives a command. And people say, why wouldn't, why would you want to kill the babies? Well, first of all, if they haven't sinned, they'll go to be with the Lord and they will be His elect. Secondly, only Israel was practicing all of these purification rites not eating certain animals that could give them cancer, separating, having a quarantine period for people who were breaking out with some kind of leprosy and they had tests to prove what kind it was. Only Israel was doing that. God didn't want them bringing a baby that had leprosy back up there into Israel and everybody catching leprosy and dying in Israel. He said, just kill them all. And there was a reason for that because the people of Amalek were the first people that attacked Israel when they come out of 400 years and get into the 40-year wilderness. The first people that attacked Israel while they were in the wilderness, while they were not trying to be aggressive against anybody, were the Amalekites. Now, I've got so many things to say on this. I said the tongues had to do with Israel being scattered because... All the time they were a nation. They went after all these gods. The gods of Israel are Christmas that Constantine brought in the church has to do with the tongues. In Acts 2, the only reason they all speak in these languages is because they were scattered by the beast. So they end up all over the world speaking a dialect of the corne. Corne is the word common, and that's what they call the common street language. It was a crude, everyday dialect of Greek. 
and these dialects would differ as much as Spanish and Italian in our day and time. And if you want to read about that, you can read about that in Samuel Langus' book. He's got a book called Mystery Religions. Mystery Religions. And he will tell you they had this different dialect and they couldn't even understand one another. That's why when they said, how hear we ever man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, the word tongue is the word dialect. It didn't didn't mean jibber-jabber. That's stupid. That sounds like some little kid out on a playground. It has nothing to do with nothing. If you don't understand the history of all this, all the way back to God's commandment, and say you've got to, you've got to come back to Jerusalem, so they're all coming back. So all these things have to do with each other. Prophecy, Christmas, 70 weeks, tongues, and many other subjects. Now, why is there an end of time? You have to have Israel being, God has to say, I'm going to bring Israel to a place where there is an end. Like I can read that out of Daniel. Out of Daniel. Now when you're reading Daniel and Ezekiel, you need to know where these guys are. When Israel was carried away, you say, Jim, you talk about that all the time. Do you know this is the only subject in the Bible? Everything in the Bible is about this. There is no other subjects. Everything is an offshoot. Every When you study David and Goliath, David was the hero of Israel to bring down this giant. But David was... David was of the tribe of Judah and he became king of Israel and the giant was a Philistine, an enemy of God. You can talk about Noah. Noah was of the lineage of Adam through Seth, through Enosh, through Canaan, Mahalaleel, through Enoch, through Methuselah, Lamech, and his son was Noah with his three sons. This is all a story of a family. When God says, I'm going to pour out of my spirit on all flesh or all men, all men, that doesn't mean every man. Pos. Anthropos. Anthro. Pos. Pos anthropos means all men. That means red, yellow, white, black, and brown men are Gentiles. And every one of the prophets are talking about God blinding the eyes of the Jews and calling the Gentiles. That was Isaiah's main message. If you want to know how much Isaiah talked about Gentiles, look up Gentiles are nations. They're the same word. Nation. 
nation is the word goyim, G-O-Y-I-M. And Gentile is the word goyim. The same is true in the New Testament. Gentile is the word ethnos. And and nation is the word ethnos. Get the word ethnic from that. Nation. Now let me go over here to... I'm just kind of interspersing a lot of prophecy with this. Go over to Daniel. Now Daniel is in the captivity. There were... I wish I could get this over without erasing any of this. But when they were carried away captive, you got to remember, there were three deportations... deporting Israel from Israel over to Babylon. It's a long way from Israel to Babylon. Babylon is here. Right here on the Euphrates River. Just a hundred miles or so from the Persian Gulf where we had that war in the early 90s. Babylon is here. So all of this down here is the Arabian Desert. When the Bible says that judgment in Jeremiah the first chapter, judgment will come from the north, and the Bible speaks of Babylon coming from the east. Babylon is east of Israel. But this down here being the Arabian Desert, they couldn't cross, they'd all die in the desert. They had to go up north. This right here is called the Fertile Crescent. That was the, up here is green on the map, and down here to Israel. So they came from the east, but they had to come in from the north and attack Israel from the north. And that's what the Bible will say over and over. So when they come in, coming from Jerusalem, when Babylon came into Jerusalem, traveling over here, down here, it's about 650 miles that Babylon had to come to. So it's a long way they have to come. And they have to, they slaughtered Jerusalem, carried the people back captive. And when they're coming back, what they're doing is they're, we're finding that that I guess I'm going to have to erase some of this. When they're over here in Babylon, God says, let me measure out to you. I'm going to measure out to you what it's going to take to cause Israel to obey me. And not only literal Israel, but spiritual Israel, which is the church. I don't know why people can't understand that the church isn't spiritual Israel. Because Paul said, a Jew is not outwardly, but of the heart. Circumcision is of the heart. And then the Bible speaks in the 12th chapter of Hebrews of heaven and Jerusalem, the church of the firstborn. And the Bible says we will be fellow heirs there in the third chapter of Ephesians with the Jew. We will be spiritual Jews because our hearts are circumcised. Instead of writing on tables of stone in the Old Testament, God says now I'm going to write on fleshy tables of a man's heart. 
And that way you'll know the truth. So when he's when he carries you got these three deportations, one in six oh five BC. That's the initial attack of Nebuchadnezzar against Israel. And you always gotta think of it this way. Here's Nebuchadnezzar here in Babylon, the Euphrates River. He's going to come up here and come down and attack Israel. And Jeremiah is walking through the streets saying, Judgment's coming, Nebuchadnezzar's coming, going to destroy this nation. And they hated Jeremiah for that, and they go to King Zedekiah and said, Can we kill this man? He's making us all so depressed and so disheartened. We want to kill him. It was Israelites that want to kill Jeremiah. It wasn't foreigners. He was telling Israel how judgment was coming. I've spent my life studying prophecy, studying these characters. These characters in the Old Testament, they're not just Bible characters. They are my acquaintances. Some of them I love them. Some of them I detest them. They are people that I've known for the last 50-something years of my life while I've been studying them. I can't believe that some of the people do the things they did, like Solomon. How could he do that? I don't know. How could I do what I did? So when they're over here, you had 605 B.C., you had five. 97, I always put parentheses 96, that's not exact, it's a guesstimate, B.C. And this 597-96, these first two were peaceful deportations. Nebuchadnezzar just came in and said, I'm carrying away all the people I want to, and he carried away the vessels of the house of the Lord, vessels of the house. The house of God was the temple. So everything that had to do with the temple, the Ark of the Covenant, the table of showbread, the altar of incense, the seven candlesticks, the altar, and the brazen sea, and everything that had to do with this, they kept inside the temple they had little closets around the temple and they would keep all of the robes of the priest and all the spoons and the snuffers and everything they needed to do all these rituals with and that's what Nebuchadnezzar carried away you can see that in the 36th chapter of 2nd Chronicles and you can also see generations later Belshazzar is partying with the vessels of the house of the Lord. These are the ones that Nebuchadnezzar carried away, and these are the ones generations later. Belshazzar was not the son of of Nebuchadnezzar. He was way down the line in kings. His father was Nabonidus. I don't have time to go into that. But he was a co-regent, that means a co-king. His father, Nabonidus, was the regent, co-regent, G-E-N-T, 
he was the co-regent and it was Belshazzar that lost the kingdom to Cyrus the king of Persia so when there were these two these two deportations and the last deportation was 586 BC this was a military overthrow of Jerusalem they came in and crushed Israel pulled down the temple the temple had huge stones that it was built of pulled it down they burnt the town burnt the city plowed it up sowed salt to it so nothing would grow there that's why Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations he is lamenting Israel is carried away He's going through the book of Lamentations. That's one of the saddest books in the Bible. You ought to read that. It's after Israel was crushed and carried away. There's just poor people left in Israel. Nebuchadnezzar didn't see any sense in carrying away the poor people. They couldn't hurt him. So he left him. Jeremiah said, I'll stay here with the poor. He was invited by Nebuchadnezzar and by his commander, Nebuchadnezzar, to go to Babylon. We'll make you free. We heard that you tried to warn these people. And they wouldn't hear. And then Jeremiah said, no, thank you. I'll just stay here with the poor so I can help them. So 586 was the devastation of Jerusalem. That was in 586 B.C. Could say something else about that, but I won't. So in this 597, this this peaceful deportation, that's where it's believed that Ezekiel and Daniel were carried off into Babylon. Daniel had a pretty good stay over there. He won favor with King Nebuchadnezzar. He won favor with Darius. They loved Daniel. It was under Darius that Daniel was thrown in the lion's den due to the trickery of some of the princes who were jealous of Daniel. They said, who is this guy think he is? So they went to the king, Darius, stroking him, saying, Oh, king, you're so wonderful. You're such a great, wonderful king. You need to make a decree that anyone who prays to another god over 30 days, the next 30 days, has to be thrown in the lion's den. They're not giving you the accolade you deserve. They stroked him till the king said, Okay, I'll do that. And they knew Daniel was praying in front of his window every day. They said, aha, and once the king made that decree, the the decrees of the laws of the Medes and Persians did not alter. And they knew that. That meant the king himself could not change the decree after he had made it. So the king says, oh goodness, I've got to put Daniel in the lion's den. Darius loved Daniel. And he told Daniel as he proceeded toward the lion's den, Your God will save you. He Darius believed that. God called the lions to go to sleep. He came out the next day and said, Are you alive, Daniel? Darius did. And because of that, all those princes of Daniel, the princes, their wives, and their children, 
were thrown into the lion's den and they fell upon them and crushed them and ate them all up. Well, Daniel is over there in Babylon. He is in the captivity. And he, while he's captive, begins to pray to God. And he prays to God, How long are we going to be in this captivity? And he gets an answer from the angel of the Lord when Gabriel, the angel of God, comes about the time of the evening oblation said you've prayed all through this how long are you going to be here let me tell you how long in Daniel 9 right before the 70 weeks verse 21 yea while I was speaking to God in prayer even the man Gabriel, whom I have seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. Evening oblation, every evening, right at sundown, right at sundown, they offered a lamb, a daily lamb, on the altar, and they had an oblation, a bread offering with it. That was called the oblation. So when you see oblation, think bread offering. And also think we being many are one bread and one body. And we're lambs to the slaughter daily. Now, he says about the time of the evening oblation. The man Gabriel come to me, being caused to fly swiftly, touch me about the time of this evening oblation. And Gabriel informed me, you've been asking how long you're going to be in the captivity. Talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding about the question that you have asked. You want to know how long you're going to be in the captivity. Daniel thought it might be sometimes soon. It's not. So he says, At the beginning of the supplications of the commandment came forth, verse 23, I am come to show thee, this is Gabriel talking to Daniel, for thou art greatly beloved, Daniel, you are a righteous, godly, holy man. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Here's how long you're going to be. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people to do six things. To do six things. Upon thy people, upon thy holy city, Jerusalem. To finish the transgression. That word... Finish is the word kala. K-A-L-A. What transgression is he talking about? Well, they transgressed against God by following the customs of the heathen and offering their children in the fire to Moloch. Israel did that. How could they do that knowing Jehovah was God? That's a good question. To finish the transgression, kala, 
meaning to restrict or hold back or forbid the transgression. God says, I'll stop you. I carried you off in captivity to stop you from this. And then he says, to make an end of sins. Make end of sins. End of sins is actually the word katham. C-H-A-T-H-A-M. C-H-A-T-H-A-M. This is end. That's end of sins. Katham means to seal up or stop the sins of Israel. I'm going to have to put you in captivity long enough to stop you. He's talking about a 2,600-year period, and Daniel just went into captivity in, in 597. It ain't going to be anytime soon. It's not going to be in your lifetime, Daniel. And he says, to make reconciliation for the iniquity that these people have committed against me, participating in this fire and tree worship. If people studied the Old Testament, they would see that Christmas is pagan. I see these preachers that want to make excuse for Christmas. You can't excuse it. It's Christ's Mass, it's Roman Catholicism, which came out of Babylon. I even go through that at times. Reconciliation is the word. To make reconciliation for inequity is the word kafar. It means that's the same word as atone or atonement. It means to atone for the sins of Israel that he did against me. God's not concerned with the rest of the world, only his people. He's not concerned about the people of Egypt or Moab or or Ammon or Syria or Lebanon. Or He's not concerned about them. He's concerned about his people. So these are the sins of his people. To bring in everlasting righteousness, bring in is the word bow or bow, meaning to apply or to attain. Everlasting is the word olam. It means it always has been, it always will be. To seal up the vision and prophecies. Seal up is the same word, katham. means to stop. means to means prophecy is the word nabi meaning a prophet or inspired man when God makes an end of the revelation of the inspired prophet it will be in eternity and to anoint the most holy that's one of the most interesting things the most holy was was the inner sanctuary this was the most holy Boy, that has so many implications. The Ark of the Covenant was inside the holy place. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was the law written on tables of stone. Now the most holy, the most holy was called the house 
of God house because he dwelt between the cherub he lived between these two cherubim dwelt means to build a house or to be married to he was married to Israel well if he's married to Israel that's the church Christ is married to the church that was called the house of God Christ is the son of his own house whose house are we and in our hearts is written the law of commandments written not in tables of stone and in fleshy tables of the heart inside the ark of the covenant was also was also the rod of Aaron we, we rule the world with a rod of righteousness and also in there was the was the manna in a container and that's the bread, and we being many are one bread and one body. So that, to anoint the house of God would equate with Revelation 10 and 7. And the mystery of God is finished, teleates. Teleates means complete. The mystery of God was the church. Complete. Mature. It's done. The mystery of God is finished and the last one to come into the kingdom is anointed in the Holy of Holies because that's our hearts are anointed. And our hearts are sprinkled with blood and the blood of this goat on the Day of Atonement was sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant. So when anoint the most holy means the last man that comes in into the kingdom of God will be anointed. Now... Let me read the rest of this. So these are the six things that have to be done in order for Israel to be released from the captivity. Israel was released from captivity completely in the Six-Day War of 67. God says, once I release them in Amos the ninth chapter, I'll never root them up again. You see... It's not going to happen what people are thinking. There's not going to be a peace in the Middle East when they shall say peace and safety. Then sudden destruction comes upon them as travails upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. This 70 weeks has a time period. I didn't mean to get in the 70 weeks of Daniel today, but I just happened to, and I sometimes I can't help it. it it kind of overcomes me. The 70 weeks, the whole purpose for the end of time is to end this 70 weeks. And while Israel is in captivity, they're in there. They're taken in captivity 586 B.C. This is southern Judah. And then in 539 B.C., Persia under Cyrus overthrows Babylon overthrows Babylon and Cyrus begins to rule as soon as he starts ruling he gives a decree the first decree for the Jews to go back and rebuild the temple only about 50,000 according to the second chapter less than 50,000 about 46,000 went back to rebuild the temple and millions were in captivity 
And only about somewhere in the neighborhood of 46,000 went back to rebuild the temple. They didn't believe God. Well, they start building the temple in 538 B.C. That's when the decree is given. Then they, in 536 B.C., they get a lot of flack from a man named Tatani, T-A-T-N-A-I, and Tatani tells Israel over here, I'm going to go back over here and tell King Darius that you're building this temple when you're a rebellious nation. So they get scared of Tatani and stop for 16 years. You get to 520, and two men enter the scene. Haggai and Zechariah. And their job was to tell Israel. Their job was to tell Israel, get back busy building. Well, Tad and I says, you do that, I'm going to go over to tell Darius on you. So he goes over there and takes a group of people with him, some of these people from over here. And Darius cannot give another decree because... This first one had been given by Cyrus. And the, the decrees of the Medes and the Persian doesn't alter. They can never be changed. They can't be canceled after one is given. All Darius could do would reaffirm this first decree. So he starts looking for that first decree. All he can do is say, I'll reaffirm that decree. We're still talking about why there is an end of time all about the sword the famine the pestilence and the beast still talking about that so they get over here to Darius this is in Daniel the 6th chapter and Tatnai Tatnai says this guy is a devil Tatnias. And he tries to he tries to undermine Israel rebuilding the temple. He wants to tell on them. And he gets over there and Darius hears about this decree and he starts looking for it. If he can find the decree, that's law forever in Persia. You can't change it. Darius couldn't change it. All he can give is another decree. Cyrus himself couldn't have changed it. Once they gave a law, it was a law forever. You find the same thing over there in the book of Esther, where this evil, underhanded guy tried to overthrow the descendants of the Jews, and he couldn't. And he had the same problem. So Esther goes to the king and says, give a decree that the Jews can defend themselves. And he says, okay. And there's more Jews than there are followers of, what's the guy's name? Uh, Haman. Yeah. There's more followers of the Jews than Haman. And Haman is finally hung on a tree because he tries to overthrow the Jews. But when, when the king, Xerxes, was there with Mordecai and Esther, and he loved Esther, you couldn't convince him not to give a decree so when the Jews could 
could defend themselves, they outnumbered Haman's followers. So they ended up destroying Haman. Well, here's the same thing. So Darius tells Darius tells Tatnai. He finds the decree in the summer house of Cyrus. He reads it to Darius and says, This is law. Cyrus gave him this decree. It can't be changed by me, you, or anybody else. Now, Ted and I, you get back over there to Israel. They're over here in Babylon. You get back to Israel, and you make sure that that temple is rebuilt, and you finance it. You got that, Buster? And he's dancing around, like I've said, like a cat on a hot tin roof, saying, Yes, sir, Mr. Mr. Darius, I'll do that. Then the next decree comes in Daniel 7. What this is, it's all an answer to Daniel's prayer. How long are we going to be in captivity? And he's spelling it out right here. This is how long. This is how long the Jews will be in captivity. May I remind you, they're not in captivity anymore. And concerning that, the Bible says, this is the generation that will not pass until everything is fulfilled. This is not this, it's her generation. The church's generation won't pass away. Now, then there's a third decree to supply the temple supplies the temple with supplies besides that they need more they need more priests over there so he sends more priests he sends more supplies he sends everything they need and it's brought back over by Ezra well I got a lot to say about Ezra this is all about the book of Ezra, about the decrees. All the first three decrees are in the book of Ezra. Ezra, the first chapter, as well as Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter, they follow one another, and then Daniel 6 and Daniel 7. And the, third, the fourth decree is in Nehemiah, the second chapter. And that's where... Nehemiah is very sad in the house of he's nearly weeping he had heard through his literal brother in the first chapter that Israel was burnt to the ground we're talking about he didn't hear that till 444 they're being burnt to the ground happened in 586 but they didn't have telegraphs and and letter carriers and all this stuff. This is 650 miles away. He didn't hear about it until 140, 50 years later. And Nehemiah is very sad. 444 B.C. And he's sad in the court of Artaxerxes. A-R-T-A-X-E-R-X-E-S. He sat in Artaxerxes' court and it was against the law to be sad in the court of a king in in Persia. But the only difference is Artaxerxes loved Nehemiah. He was his faithful cupbearer. 
he brought his drinks to him if he and he'd have the cupbearer would always drink the drink first sip it and if there's any poison in it and the cupbearer fell dead then the king wouldn't drink it there was always somebody there to try to overthrow the king and he got real close to Nehemiah and he said Nehemiah what do you want he said write me letters now proof proof that the first second and third decree were not the decrees that began that began the 70 weeks of Daniel was the fact that he wrote a letter any time a king wrote a letter and signed something that was law he couldn't have written that letter if the the beginning of the 70 weeks of Daniel had been one of the first three decrees couldn't have written it and he gave this letter to Nehemiah and said take it over there to Israel and tell them you're in charge of building the city so it was four, three Persian kings that gave these four decrees and each one of them sounded like a believer I don't know if they were or not but they sounded like it then and then he tells us how this thing is going to end at the end of time so they got these decrees and then he says in verse 25 know therefore and understand that from going forth to the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem which is going to be in Nehemiah the second chapter unto Messiah the Prince from this decree from this fourth decree to restore and build Jerusalem and it has to be the fourth decree there's been all these arguments about all oh, thing is the first decree all thing is the second decree all thing is the third decree it can't be one of these since the laws of the Medes and Persians never altered Artaxerxes couldn't by law have given a decree to rebuild the city if anyone had ever been given all he could do is reaffirm that that's all one hadn't been given so in the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem from Nehemiah 2 unto Messiah the Prince you can see Messiah the Prince in Luke 19 at the very end of Jesus' life Luke the 19th chapter he's coming into Jerusalem on the young colt of an ass to be crucified and all of his followers are following him and throwing palm branches in front of him saying, Hosanna! Hosanna means God save the king. They were presenting him as king, but the Jews took him and crucified him as the Passover lamb. This was four days before the Passover. He was presented as the king. He was king of the Jews in the Old Testament. He was the I Am of the Old Testament. And then from the going forth of command restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks three score and two weeks. The 
these are weeks of years because Israel had never kept their sabbatical years. Never kept them. Seven, seven weeks and two weeks is nine. And three score, a score is 60. A score is 20. Three scores 60. This is 483 years or 69 weeks of years. And that's when Christ comes in Jerusalem and Luke, the 19th chapter, looks out over Jerusalem and says, Jerusalem. In Matthew, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I gather you as a mother hen doth gather her chicks, but you would not. In the 19th chapter, he says, Jerusalem, if thou hast known in this thy day the things that belong to thy peace, but now your eyes are blinded. You're blind. So they're going to be blind from there until the 70th week. And it takes the full 70 weeks. That 70th week is the last seven years of time. All of this, how did all this start? It goes back to the beginning of the message. They would not obey God's commandments. America's not obeying God's commandments because the preachers are not preaching the truth. And the average person that goes to a church doesn't know the truth. If you ask a person out here in public, what do you have to do to be saved? Oh, oh, they'll stutter and sputter. A lot of them will say, just pray this sinner's prayer. That's not true. They have to be born again. They have to repent. If you repent, you're going to be turned and you're going to think different than you ever thought. You'll become a person that the old you wouldn't recognize. Mary said that to me one night going home after church. She got real convicted over the message. She said, she, she said you have to become a person that the old you won't recognize. I said, that's right. That's what you have to become. And only God does that to a person. So at the end of time, I'm not going to go into the 70th week. That's an all-day affair. The 70th week of Daniel, 70 weeks, has several titles. It tells you about it in verse 27. Speaking of the prince that shall come, it says, He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Well, I found out the Bible doesn't say that. When you look in an interlinear Bible, it doesn't say he shall confirm the covenant. It says, or in the Septuagint, excuse me, not the interlinear. In the Septuagint, the Septuagint is the translation of the Old Testament Hebrew into New, into Greek since everybody in the world was speaking Greek at that time this is about 200 BC 
Septuagint, you always see LXX. That's 70 in Roman numerals. And the Septuagint, T-U-I-G-I-N-T, was translated by 70 translators. So when you see that, the Septuagint was translated from Hebrew into the Greek language. And most of the scholars will tell you that the Septuagint is the best translation of anything into another language. It is reliable by most every scholar in America. So when they translated this verse, how can the prince that comes confirm with Israel God's covenant the prince that comes is the man of sin I wrestled with that a long time I told a lady that came here Debbie Soderstrom I said Debbie I gotta find something else on that because if he confirms this if this prince comes and confirms peace for seven years for seven years then we can figure out when the end of time will be can't we simply by measuring from this so called prince that confirms the covenant but it's not the prince that confirms the covenant of God with his people the covenant of God is that verse in verse 24 when he makes when he comes to finishes the transgression makes an end of sins makes a reconciliation for iniquity and bring into everlasting righteousness and seal up the vision and prophecy and anoint the most holy that's the confirmation of the covenant when he ends all of this in the Septuagint it says the weak shall confirm the covenant in a sense the man of sin will only in this sense only that he will keep punishing Jerusalem and Judah and the church for their sins until the end and that's the way it will be confirmed and the last one will come in the fold in Revelation 10 and 7 and it will be confirmed that way because the man of sin will chastise the church he'll wear out the saints in Daniel 7 Daniel 7 he'll make war with the saints in Revelation 13 he'll make war with us but he won't confirm it the weak will confirm the covenant take the whole 70th week do you all know I'm teaching you something here you won't get in any church in America. I spent 50 something, 50, 64, 74, 84, 94, 2004, 14. I've been 56 years studying the 70 weeks of Daniel, night and day. I'm teaching you something you won't hear in any Baptist or Pentecostal church in the country. Not in detail, you won't. I'm just. 
I'm giving you what's in my head today. I'm not reading much out of the Bible. I just got it all up here. When I read it, I can tell you what it means. I'm about out of time, ain't I, Mike? Let's read that last verse. And he, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. It will be split into two parts at the end of time. Three and a half years and three and a half years. There will be peace in this first part and at the last half of the 70th week the last three and a half years of time war will be against God's people and it looks like it might be soon I really believe I had it in my notes to take you into something that wasn't this I was going to go into Ezekiel, some verses, how I was going to go into Jeremiah, where God says, don't pray for this people. He says the same thing in in 1 and 14 and 7 and 16, Ezekiel 14, Psalms 8, Isaiah 64, Jeremiah 14, Jeremiah 11. God says, don't pray for these people. This is my judgment against them. I've got to fulfill all of these weeks. And this is the same thing that Constantine brought in the church and renamed Christmas. John MacArthur, what's wrong with you? And I was going to bring out how Babylon was destroyed because they were proud and things about Revelation. I was going to give you the human sacrifices that Israel offered on their altars throughout the Old Testament. Israel burned their children in the fire. God says, when you offer your... I keep asking the congregation, the people, is America offering their children up? to Baal in the Grove. Baal in the Grove was started at Babylon. Babylon was founded on one's self-doctrine. Let us make us a name. Make us name. Make up our own doctrine. And it was parallel to God's doctrine. But I don't have time to go into that. And I was going to cover certain chapters of the prophets Isaiah Jeremiah Lamentations Ezekiel Daniel Hosea Joel Amos Obadiah Jonah Micah Nahum Uh, I was going to go through the Old Testament to Habakkuk Zephaniah Haggai Zechariah Malachi that's all the minor prophets and the major prophets. I was going to go into each one of these and show you they're all saying the same thing. Because Israel, you did this? It's like America doesn't even, the preachers don't even study what Israel did. They did the most ungodly things and it was brought in the church and renamed Christmas and it's the custom of the heathen. 
I read a verse all the time about that over I read it all the time I've done it so many times in in Deuteronomy 12 and it tells you what they did I'll come back through this and read these to you people think Christmas isn't so bad I said it once I'll say it 500 times God didn't say don't worship other gods that's not what he said he said don't keep their customs the customs lead you away giving gifts a gift blinds the eyes a man can't can't see correctly I did a message a gift blinds the eyes and that's what the Bible says I'll read this one and I'll end it I completely diverted myself from where I was going. I got in. The 70 weeks of Daniel has everything to do with what Israel did while they were a nation. Everything. It has to do with us. had to do with the preachers not telling the truth. And they're not telling the truth in the world today. had a lady called from Chicago. She said, I love what you teach. Preachers are not telling the truth. I said, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate that. I have people all the time, every once in a while, somebody will call and say, I know the preachers aren't telling the truth. I don't have time to read anymore. I run out of time. But the 70 weeks, the tongues, Christmas, it's all the same mishmash. I hope you can see that. And I hope you won't get dull of hearing. I pray to God that the church will stir themselves up to listen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Lord, I'm doing the best I can. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to do, Lord. Other than I see this great big picture I want to paint for the people. and You've got to help me, Lord. I'm just a simple man. I, I can only do what you let me see. Thank you for your word and for truth. Cause us to continue this message. Lord, I pray that you'll fight every battle we have. I don't feel like fighting anybody or anything. Give us strength. Strengthen the flock. God will give you praise for everything that you do. In Christ's name, amen. I'll come back and go through some of those chapters in the Old Testament. Whew. Hey, Sarday. What are you doing, Goriel? Hey, Rusty. I love you, brother. Take care.